So, Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in the nations. We thank you for all those who've responded in faith and gone in your name. We just want to pray into each of those situations that we've highlighted this morning and say, will you bless them, will you cause them to grow, stand strong, and see the kingdom extended? And we ask that as we turn to your word, Lord, you would just inspire us, encourage us, challenge us, and make us a people who want to go, and want to see your kingdom extended. Amen. I know why everyone speaks so quickly when they get up here, because we keep running out of time. But why world mission? Why would we want to go on mission? Surely there's enough to do here. We don't have to go to another nation to do it. Don't we see missionaries coming to the UK? I, I remember vividly, uh, a man from Nigeria saying, well, I'm coming to England because I hear it's where you've got God and everything's good because you all came to Nigeria to bless us and see us saved. But I come back and I find a nation that's in desperate need of meeting with Jesus. And there are hundreds coming from other nations to the UK to see us saved. I think that's sad, because we ought to be doing it. But we also need to go there, and there's this interchange, and that's what God's doing. He takes people from A and sends them to B and then to C, and it happens. Why am I so passionate about international mission? Well, I like to travel. No, that's not the only reason, although God did bless me with that when I thought, having given up work, I lost all my travel benefits, and I've had the privilege of going to four or five continents and ministering the word. That's fantastic. But what really did it for me was hearing stories of people who'd gone. Praying for missionaries every week in our church. And then getting into the Bible and seeing what the Bible had to say about it. Jesus just says, go. If I don't get any more Bible in today, that's it. Go. Because that's what we need to hear. But we go because there is power, there is salvation, there is healing, there is deliverance. And I've had the privilege of seeing this again and again whenever I've traveled. I've also seen it here in the UK, so it's not just overseas. So do it here and then go and do it. It's got to be both. But we want to see a people released for mission. You're familiar with the Great Commission. Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. There's no hit and run exercise. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now it's a real prophetic word because I was given that verse the day I got saved. <laughs> it was about the last part of it, God's always with me. But it's been true in my life. God is for mission. It starts right back in Genesis. Meaning the fact that God met with them in the garden. But you get to chapter 12. And the Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So there's always this moving out 
from where we are going, not knowing where you're going sometimes, like Abraham, but hearing God and going. Isaiah 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. I have to confess, I'm doing that all the time. I was sat at Commission Prayer this week, and they were telling all these exciting things about uh, church planting opportunities and places to go and nations to go. And I'm saying, Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I'm up for it. And I'm having to say, No, I'm retired, I'm slowing down. But, you know, the heart's there for it. And I want you to catch that heart. I don't know how long I'll be able to do it. Some of you are going to be able to do it a lot longer. And we've got to do it. And my heart is to see people discipled and released. God sent his own son, Jesus. Galatians 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. John 1, 14 says that he came as a man. And it is in going that people get saved. If God had not sent Jesus, you'd not be saved. And there are millions around the world who are not yet saved because you've not gone. Logical, isn't it? That's God's way. That's what he does. And to the disciples, they've been with him three years. And John 20, 21, Jesus said, Peace be with you. Oh, hallelujah. That's lovely. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That's a word for someone today. Acts 1, 8. He doesn't send you out unequipped. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where you live here and now, in Christ Church, in the Bournemouth uh, area. This is where we are. But then in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, we go in his power, in his name, in his strength. So who can go? Very simply, any believer. Everyone is called, but not everyone responds. There are some basic requirements. You can't just say, oh, yeah, I'll go do that. No. You've got to develop a personal faith. You've got to have a servant heart. You've got to have a commitment to teamwork because you've got to get on with people and work together. That readiness to get on with all sorts of folk. You've got to have compassion because it comes of the heart And then you've got to free up time to do it. Just an aside, one of the things that I found so frustrating in ministry is men who've been called to be elders but haven't made the time to do it. We've got to release time. Now, I want to get to the Word of God. A few minutes. I want to show you some of the marks of a missionary church. I believe we are a sending and a serving church. And I think we can identify with this. And I wanted to look at the church in Antioch. Acts 13, uh, 1 to 3. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, 
Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So here was a commissioning time. They were all together praying, and they were aware of circumstances around, and God says, send these two guys. And they did it. They didn't hold a committee. They did it. So what's the background to this? The church in Antioch came out of a time of persecution following the stoning of Stephen. And people were were spread all around the known world at the time. And there was a breakthrough of the gospel. You find this in uh, chapter 10 where uh, Peter had this vision in Joppa. And then he had to go to Cornelius. And when he gets to Cornelius' house... The gospel jumps. It goes from Jews to Gentiles. And the Gentiles get saved just the same. There they are, saved and speaking in tongues. God is on the move. It's moving out. And Antioch become a sending church. Here it is. A church. What does it look like? Well, you can read Acts 11, 19 to 30. And that will tell you, but I just want to pick out six principles here of ascending church. One, it was a cosmopolitan church, a very mixed congregation. There were those who'd been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. But then they started telling them the good news about Jesus. It was a town, a church that was in a strategic position. It was one of those trade routes. It had uh, opportunities to reach out. We heard something similar about this church. We're at the end of the runway. Okay, they're not flying too much at the moment, but that's another story. But they will be. We have ease of access to the nations. And even when the planes aren't flying, we can still get on the web and communicate. We can still share. Today, there is no excuse for not sharing the gospel. Secondly, they were a growing church. You see that in verses 21, 23, 24. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And uh, it speaks of Barnabas, uh, one of my heroes of faith. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. That is just fantastic. When you see people saved. I'm just telling Duncan a couple of days ago when I was in Sri Lanka. And I had the privilege of baptizing the daughter of a man who got shot because he went back for his papers. During the the tiger troubles there. But I'd seen her saved had the privilege of baptizing her it's great stuff that we can see it's many conversions because people were talking of jesus and concerned that people be saved are we actually doing that we we have some great services but when we get home when we get to work do we say oh i went to church no I met with Jesus. I met with the power of God. Those are the stories we need to be sharing. Then people will get saved. We were bewailing the fact that we don't have many evangelists amongst us. 
Let's ask God to raise up evangelists who will speak out the good news of Jesus. You see, these, these believers in Antioch were doing it. They were doing what God had called them to do. Thirdly, they were a taught church. Um, verse 25, 26. And then in Acts 13, 1 to 3, it tells us they had eight teachers unnamed. Barnabas, Simeon, Cornelia, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And then you add in Agabus, who came and prophesied over them. And, of course, they had the Holy Spirit with them, the best teacher of all. So there's a need to be taught. We are a taught church. They were a faithful church. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. They were known to be different. They were known to be people who were followers of Christ. They lived what they believed. Their faith was seen. Five, they were a generous church. Each, according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. They did this, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. They gave in response to the prophetic word and were being made, when they were made aware of need. I firmly believe that if there's a need, we have to make it known. Otherwise, people can't give. But when the need is known, then people will open their hearts and their wallets and respond. But this church in Antioch were protracted, determined, and systematic in their giving to meet the needs of others. And finally, they were a worshipping church. We see that in chapter 13, verse 2. They were worshipping the Lord in fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. You see, there's an attitude of consecration and obedience. Listening carefully to what the Spirit says. It all led to them being a sending church. I think we match up well to that. Who else will we send? Who will respond to go this year? It may take a few years to get out there, but the response needs to be made. Who did they send? Well, they sent their best. They sent Barnabas and Saul. Oh, bye, Duncan. Bye, Mornay. <laughs> no, it doesn't necessarily mean that. But you send the best you've got. And you know, you look at history and you find that it was often left to a faithful lady who wasn't allowed to do anything at home, so went to Hong Kong to do it. Challenging. So how did they send them? Well, they sent them with unity and of agreement and with support. The church set them apart. I don't find any record of lone rangers. Even Paul, who was very independent, submitted to the council of Jerusalem. There were no volunteers. Yes, you have to respond and make a voluntary response. But it's then commissioned and going. I think it's so sad to see unsupported men and women going to the nations. Some of them shouldn't be going. But many of them are going because their church has failed them. Let's not be a church 
that fails those that God is calling. It's individuals and the body together before God, led by the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you. As you listen to God, talk to the leaders. It's church and missionary. It's going together. For me, a huge breakthrough in 89, um, I was commissioned by the church to go do some teaching in Nigeria, some contacts we had, and do a pastoral visit to a missionary that we'd sent. I think that's a great model. It went on that they eventually tithed my time to international mission, which was fantastic. But it's that engagement together. So I'm going to close. What's our response? Who will we send? Who will go? You can go on short-term visits. We've got lots of those. You can serve. I had a guy who used to use his um, holidays to go and help missionaries overseas. He'd go and paint and do odd jobs for them. And he was blessed and they were blessed. Lots of opportunities. But there's a need for long-term commitment, lifelong commitment. We don't hear much of that these days. But there are four prerequisites. Firstly, an awareness of world opportunities to serve. A recognition of need and how to respond. Secondly, an envisioning and faith building to go. Catch it in God. Because there'll be testing. And you've got to know what you know. A recognition of gifts and skills. And God gives those to us. But we can hone them. We can develop them. And then there needs to be training and preparation. We don't have to be rushed about it. My best guess is it probably takes two to four years to get someone on a mission field once they respond in terms of timing. But it depends where they're going, what they're doing. But there needs to be that training and preparation. So what about the opportunities? It's the world. It's unlimited. You can go anywhere, do anything. What is God put in your heart? Maybe he's put a particular nation. Maybe he's put a particular area of ministry. Whatever it is, let God make it clearer. Let that whisper become a shout. And then you've just got to go. When God speaks, we've got a mandate to go. You may have seen the slide earlier. Either you go or you stay and you pray and you pay. But what is your response this morning? And how will we facilitate the way forward? You do business with God. And then you speak with someone. Speak to the elders. Come chat to me. But find out the next step. How are you going to move forward? And don't let the enemy steal the moment. You may think, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, do something about it. Maybe today, but certainly this week. Let's stand together and pray. Father, I just thank you for what you've put in my heart, for the passion, for the vision, for the opportunity, and for the experiences. 
And my desire, Lord, is that there will be many others that catch that similar experience. Because I know that you're a God who speaks. The work is not yet complete. There, there are nations to be one. There are people who need to be saved and healed and set free. There are those who need to be taught and released. And I ask, Lord, that you would be raising up in our midst those who will go, just as we've already reminded ourselves of some who have already gone, that there will be more and that we will continue to be ascending and a serving church for your glory. Amen.